0: He saw when you were faking. He called me on my bullshit. He saw things in me I didn't see. He made me work harder and that standard like literally the word means a flag, a fucking flag. To have this flag that said, don't bullshit. Get, bring your real feelings to this role. That was the key thing.
1: My name's Lee Foster and I'm an actor, living and working in Chicago. My career is going well, but I know I have a long way to go. I'm determined to become a great actor. If you are too, I hope you'll follow me as I search for the advice and experiences that will help accomplish that goal. This is action. On this episode, acting teacher and author Ron Morasco. I got to know Ron after reading his book, Notes to an Actor. It's a brilliantly simple, easy to apply collection of notes on acting, that's it. It has a perfect five out of five stars on Amazon, And Kirk Douglas said, I think this is the best book on acting I've ever read. Ron Morasco studied acting at the Moscow Art Theater, has a Bachelor of Art from Fordham University, and a Master's of Art and Ph.D. in theater from UCLA. He's currently a professor of theater at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. He continues to act in TV, feature films, and theater, and his list of credits is a mile long. After finishing notes to an actor, I felt the need to thank the man who wrote it. So I found his number, and I called him. We ended up talking shop for an hour and a half, and he offered me a little advice on two auditions I had the following day, one for a national commercial, the other for the TV show Empire on Fox. I thanked him and said goodbye, and the next day I followed his advice and I booked them both. Today the topic is acting classes. Do they help you or hurt you?
0: I think the biggest issue is this, first and foremost. I think that some of it comes down to an actor's relationship with whatever they're going to call their methodology or way of doing things. Mm -hmm. It's been my experience that the best actors have a, you know, a mix of a few different things, um, all of which has been filtered through what they know makes them better and what they know personally works for them. And like most things that work well for you, you're going to not be apt to talk about them. <laughs> mhm. Right. You know, when something really works, well, you just shut up about it cuz you know it works and you do it. If something right. is kind of not working and you're sort of trying to convince yourself you talk about it a lot. So if you find yourself talking about one specific little methodology, chances are, you know, it's it's not going to really be it's not the real thing. Um I think the key is knowing what truly makes you better and that's it and um, your ability to sort of filter that through your own needs. I think if you look at, even if you just look at actors that are working today, um, I think there's some that have definitely been involved by, uh, 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 influenced, excuse me, by a particular teacher, somebody like Mark Ruffalo. I know he had worked with Stella Adler. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you know, I think what you're going to find is, People have a mix of different things, anything that appeals to them. And the example that I would give is um, maybe something like sports because you're only going to do what works well for you. So if there's a particular exercise that you like, you're not doing that for any other reason than it works, it feels good for you, the other makes you sore, and this helps. And so I think that's the most important thing, that you have a filter about whatever methodologies you're getting. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the, I think this is true in all education, actually, that sometimes the downside is the student feels like they're trying to fit into some met- methodology or what they in academia call pedagogy. And they kind of are like, oh, I'm trying to do the right things here, and I'm doing all the steps they tell me and all of a sudden this thing this phenomenon happens where the student is serving the methodology or the the student's trying to fit into the methodology and if they're not fitting in well enough they're kind of admonished by the teacher or there's an implied you know admonishment about it the fact is it's it's what's going to work for you and what you very deep down privately know works for you and some of it is understanding just your own mechanism as an actor and your own limitations. So I'd be very, very leery of anybody that has uh, one, excuse me, I'm sipping tea, uh, that has one particular thing. And even um, somebody like Sanford Meisner, who, you know, a lot of the people that have worked with him previously have really kind of tightened what his work is into what they call a fairly specific technique. But he had put over his desk, you know, there's no. Uh, uh, there's no right or wrong only true or not true Mm -hmm. and so you know uh, sometimes there I, i i actually think that there are different people that should use some different kinds of methodologies and let me give you an example if you're somebody that's a bit of a ham and a performer and has a great kind of personal energy but you find that you're not somebody that really relates well enough to the other actor, then something like the kind of work Sanford Meisner does, which is very tight and close, very much trying to get you to pay more attention and put more of your attention on another partner, that would probably be helpful to you. But I think you have to be leery of making any technique part of your self-identity. You know, I'm a Meisner person, I'm a this person, I'm a that person. And I think if you talk to any of the great acting teachers – somebody like Uta and I think you would find there's a tremendous mix of practicality and um, eclectic approach and um, not a sense of turning it into kind of too much of a religion, or I, I don't think she was somebody that encouraged any guru sort of worship, you know. Um, it's just like sports. You're trying to get better, and you mm-hmm. try something, and maybe it works for you, and maybe it doesn't. But uh, I, I would watch some of the sanctimony that can come with some of this, mm-hmm. and anybody that's teaching too strong a one specific method, um, now they may have that be their primary thing, that's fine, but once they say this is the way and other things are not the way, you know, chances are, like I said, it's, you're going to be there to serve the methodology rather than the methodology be there to make you a better actor. So then there's the other issue, which is just class. You know, what does it mean to be in a class? Uh, You know, downtime is a very tough thing for actors. I think it's harder for actors than for musicians and for artists, because, you know, artists can still draw and musicians can still play. But it's, it's definitely a little bit harder downtime. You know, I mean, you could do some monologues around your house. You could do some work. You can do some scenes, but 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 for the most part, we would have to agree that downtime is harder for an actor. And so, a lot of people take classes related to being downtime because it's a way to keep acting. And to a degree, that is okay, but it can also have this thing happen where it it takes away your hunger to get a job. <laughs> You know, because you kind of feel like you're acting and you're doing that and you're going to class and everybody's clapping and thinking you're wonderful and, you know, uh, you're doing great scenes and great literature and you kind of feel enough of a fulfillment that it gives you um, a satisfaction that can take away your edge. I mean, if you say to yourself, you're not going to do any acting unless you you get a fucking job, then let me tell you. (laughs) You, every bit of your heart and soul is going to be looking for something that's more job-oriented. And by a job, I'm not saying it just has to be a job on TV. It could be something that has a professional feel to it, meaning it could be a, a a play reading. You're going to work for two weeks, play reading, but it's all with professional actors. Doing something like that, I think, is would count for me as as being part of you know professional. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or leading, very definitely, to professional. Um, But sometimes being in an acting class, it takes away your hunger. And sometimes hunger is is really good. I was actually, when we were thinking about this, I I pulled out, there's a great section in Hemingway's book um, called The Movable Feast, which is about his early years as a young artist in Paris. And I I would really, really recommend this book to anybody um, who's a young artist of any kind. And one of the things, there's a a chapter where he talks about going to a museum when he was hungry, like really, really starving. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, let me just read you this little section that I marked. He said, um, he's looking at Cezanne paintings, and he said, I learned to understand Cezanne much better and to see truly how he made landscapes when I was hungry. I used to wonder if he were hungry, too, when he painted but I thought it was possible only that he had forgotten to eat. Later, I thought Cezanne probably was hungry in a different way. And and Hemingway's point is this, this incredible thing where you really paint something a lot better when you really are hungry, that you look at things in a different way when you're hungry. Uh, and, and I'm continuing on reading. He says, hunger is healthy, and the pictures do look better when you are hungry. And so this idea of... His hunger being something that that drives him. Uh, I'm reading again here. He says, um, there is most certainly no demand for them. He's talking about short stories and how people don't seem to want to buy them. He says, but they will understand the same way that they always do in painting. It only takes time, and it only needs confidence. It is necessary to handle yourself better when you have to cut down on food. So you will not get too much hunger thinking. Hunger is good discipline and you learn from it. And I think there's something about that, that I think you as an actor or as any artist, you have to know enough how to keep yourself a little bit starving for the the, the right thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a drive to it. Now, You have to balance it, because you can make yourself so hungry that you become weak. Mm -hmm. And that's bad. And so I think every actor just has to ask that question. Am I still hungry? You know, is this class taking away my hunger? Um, And I think very often they do. You know, I would be concerned about somebody who's been in the same acting class for five years... And then I'd start asking, well, what kind of jobs do you got? You know, what kind of work are you getting? Right. So I think if class is a substitute for work, I think that's a problem. Even though it feels good to be part of that community, you know, Mm -hmm. fact is, you don't really want to be in a community of students. You want to be in a community of professionals. Right. And so if you're getting your sense of community, from the class that also is not so hot because like i said better you you're doing um play readings i do them all the time here but they're really good people professional actors professional writers they have professional directors and agents and producers come in and and listen to the reading so i think you want to be in a community of professionals if it's a good enough acting class that may be the case you know there definitely are some really good teachers and coaches uh you're sort of lucky to be in their classes, and uh, somebody like a Larry Moss, you know, they're they're well known and famous, and um, and should be probably. And uh, so I think if it's a really good enough class with it with somebody who is so special, then probably it it is worth it because you're you're in an elite anyway. You know, anybody that would be studying in a class with Larry Moss would be, you know, would be in something of an elite, and so that's that's worth it. be around but i think you have to be careful of these acting classes that are really not working actors right that are there feeling like an artist when and and that's a rough mean sort of thing to say i think i think it's probably really hard to hear but yeah
2: it's funny i think about now that you mentioned i'm thinking about all the i've taken a ton of acting classes in my time and i think back and i'm thinking about the people that were in class with me and they were almost never working. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even really seem to have much of a desire to be.
0: That's what I'm saying. And that that yeah. your hunger, getting the sweet spot of your own hunger is a really important thing as an artist. And for the most part, mm-hmm. I don't think hunger is going to kill you. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it is better to really, really, really be hungry and say... You know, I know this myself because I, I have sort of a mixed life. I'm I'm a professor, I'm a teacher, I'm I'm written, I'm an intellectual kind of a person, and yet I have an artistic and acting side of me that I, is very important to me, and that I do all the time. And I have to put away the books when I'm doing acting because the books feed me and fill me, and I need to stay hungry and empty so that when you go, I am so dying. To go out on a stage or, or be in a scene in in a, a, a television show with other actors. I'm so starving for that kind of a thing that it, there's a real mojo that comes from hunger. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of paunchy flabbiness that comes from that kind of low-grade satisfaction that you get from being in in an acting class, you know. And right. I know that, like I said, it's it's mean. It sounds a little bit mean, but um, who do you want to be around? You know, I right. think you want to be around working people. Now, I think if you are a working actor, a lot of really good working actors do go back to class to kind of get themselves. That I really respect when someone does that. Or they'll do something like Al Pacino has done it many, many times. He gets a group of people together and they they do a workshop the most famous thing that people would know would be they kind of filmed a lot of it when they did he did a workshop on richard iii and the film is called looking for richard bunch of working actors and scholars and all kinds of people worked for a few months you know they didn't do a production but they just worked on the play and so that's that's an incredible thing to have actors come in come back and do a workshop of some kind after they're working in the middle of working that i really really respect because you're sort of tuning up some part of yourself and you're, you know, you can get a little sloppy and you kind of phone it in and, and it's nice to, to have, um, you know, to kind of come back in and get back to basics. Yeah. I think in all things, getting back to basics in every single art, you know, I go back to Hemingway who I, I've liked for many reasons, but he always said, you know, he was always looking for what he called one true sentence And I think it's true in art. You know, you need to go back to the basics of one true sentence. And sometimes when you are a working actor, you have to re-remind yourself of of that original one true sentence spark. That I would respect. But if it's a substitute, if you're doing it to keep yourself from being bored while you're waiting for a job, that may not be the best thing. Wow. You gave me the chills Um, a bunch of times. What? What?
2: I said you gave me the chills a bunch of times. Well,
0: it's hard, you know, and it's it's really hard for acting teachers because, of course, acting teachers are lovely people because they're trying to make a living as acting teachers. They want you to come back. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, and I also don't think there's anything wrong with somebody who is like an amateur and says I I, I don't even necessarily I know people that have done this. They like acting, and I think that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just have to know the situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. I also do believe, and I wrote a lot about this in my book, Notes to an Act of That, I think acting is one of the weird... It's a weird art in that I think it's one of the only arts that when you stay away from it for a while, you get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's true of music. It's probably not true of painting. I know it's not true of writing. I mean, when you When you get away from writing, you get very rusty and you have to get back. But acting, I think what happens in acting is you know you when you when you're not acting you 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 stop trying to summon up feelings and you stop watching your feeling mechanism and so all of a sudden your unconscious is working even when you're not working and a lot of times you could be away from acting for a long time and you come back and you're like oh my god i have all this stuff in there i have i got feelings i didn't where 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 are these coming from and i think that happens a lot of times I really do. I think that something fills up with acting when you leave it alone when you stop looking at it and you stop always trying to churn up feelings um so weirdly, you can be away from acting for a while and and get better at it. Something recharges,
2: yeah, I wonder if also with like with other art forms like say painting or I mean, photography. I went to school for photography. I can take, so- I can work on something for a long time, for like a day, working on something and reworking it, reworking it, and then I'll stop and come back to it and immediately see things
0: that I hadn't yeah.
2: seen. And I,
0: actually, you know, this—it's funny you mention this, Lee, because this is there's a lot of cognitive study now on the brain, and they literally talk about uh, problem solving. It's very, very common that when you put you, when you have worked very hard and focused very much, then you go away and you let the brain sort of let go. And you come back to it, there's something very new that happens in the brain. And it has to do with neuroplasticity and the various regions of the brain that talk to each other. If you look and you talk to somebody who is a neuroscientist, they can explain it. But there's a lot of really interesting articles on the way – that happens and they literally can chart it now they see that there's a relaxed activity and then something kind of loosens up and and your brain is used to doing work but then there's a little bit of play involved mm-hmm. and it's almost like the word recreate you know when we say recreation the word the root of it is recreate mm-hmm. so there is a purpose to play just like there's a purpose to sleep you know that you need that hard effort of something that your brain's doing, or any part of your your inner mechanism, and then you go away from it, and it loosens up a little bit, and you come back a lot of times um, better. And I think it's absolutely true of acting. You know what it's even true of? I swear to God, if you anybody that does crossword puzzles regularly like I do will re- re- recognize this. Where you work on crossword puzzles. And you're killing yourself. There are four. You're just ready to die. You can't figure the goddamn things out. And you throw it away. And then later on in the day, way later, you pick it up and you think, oh, let me see if I can finish this. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 you finish all of them. Mm -hmm. That it comes to you right away. So I do think there's something. There's definitely something to that. There is a purpose of play within work. There is a purpose of recreation within creation. And I think it's everything in life is a dialectical relationship between working and relaxing or between building up pressure and releasing it. And I think it's really a very, very important thing to stop acting for a while and get back into life.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, um, it's very easy to go through the world always like an actor, you know, and you can lose a little of your humanity when you do that. Mm Mm-hmm because you're always viewing humanity as something I need to use to give a performance. And that's true. I mean, that's part of it. You're going to use deep feelings. But it's really good to get back to just being a person again, you know, and and not constantly have this acting mechanism, which is greedy to take anything you get and apply it to a performance. Um, So sometimes when you have downtime as an actor, and you go, well, I have down time. I don't work. What am I going to do? Just not just sit around the house, and I haven't gotten any job. Well, maybe it is a good thing to do something that fills you up. You know, that isn't related to acting, whatever that is. Um, I actually think actors should read more. And I'm not saying, you know, read War and Peace. I'm saying read anything. If actors Actors should read the newspaper every day mm-hmm. because you find incredible pieces of stuff in there. And wherever your local paper is, if you live in Iowa and you get the daily Iowa you know, cornfield gazette, great. Read it. Because you get stories, you get things, you get insights into people you 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 know, I read to feel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if you know, weirdly at LMU where I'm a professor, I have occasionally taught this class, and I'm gonna teach it again. Which is current events for actors, which everyone goes, what the fuck is that? But what it is is, it's we literally go through what's going on in the world. We read newspapers, we we read journals, we we follow up articles, we 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 stay on a on a subject or a story for a while of whatever's going on in the world. And I can never do the syllabus beforehand because I don't know what's going to be happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I do it as a way to get actors to remember that they're playing human beings. Uh-huh. You know, and so anything that reacquaints you with your with humanity or refills you up with humanity, I think is 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 going to be as useful as an acting class in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, in some in some cases, obviously, you know, there's nothing wrong with a scene study class. <laughs> if you have this thing where once a month you go and do a scene, that's not the end of the world you know the kind of acting classes I'm talking about where it's it's too much. But, uh, you know, occasionally scene study stuff, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh-huh. Another thing I noticed about acting classes, I, I just noticed that over the years I found that a lot of the actors from the old actor's studio days, and I don't mean the famous ones like, you know, Julie Harris and Eli Wallach or, and Marlon Brando, I... I I've, I meant, you know, lesser known actors who were still really, really, really good. And I noticed, boy, a lot of those actors that come out of the actor's studio were very, they all were really good. A good, perfect example is someone like Bruce Dern, if you saw Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't the world, one of the most, 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 most famous ones. But there are a lot of actors like that, and even, even actors that are, you know, um, less well-known. Uh, from that, were really good. And I said, what is it? Was it in the acting training? And and the more I studied a lot of the people, I found that a lot of them had very different approaches. It was all basically method and basically, you know, the actor studio kind of approach, Stanislavski, as filtered through people like Lee Strasberg. But they still came at things very differently. And I realized what it was. What it was was the people that were at the actor studio in those days and that first wave of great actors, what they really had was a very high standard for not faking, and that standard was the key. It wasn't so much the methodology; it just was that everybody that went to the Actors Studio, whether you acted, and I'm talking about people like, you know, Maureen Stapleton, um, uh, whether you acted or whether you were observing. Everybody there realized that there was a very high standard for not faking. Martin Balsam, another very good actor from that era. And sometimes the acting class gives you a standard rather than a methodology. Right. Does that make sense? Completely. Where a lot of times a great teacher just gives you a standard. And a lot of times when you ask somebody to talk, they will not talk about, oh, this little specific piece of Um, acting methodology or exercise he gave me, it's usually more like he saw when you were faking. He called me on my bullshit. He saw things in me I didn't see. He made me work harder. And that standard, like literally the word means a flag, a fucking flag, to have this flag that said, don't bullshit. Bring your real feelings to this role. That was the key thing. And so sometimes you can get that from a teacher rather than it being about just a specific methodology, a standard of um, not faking a that standard is, of of having some depth and bringing enough of yourself to something that is so
2: fascinating because I'm thinking about acting classes that I've had where the acting where the teacher just loved everything he just loved everything we did, which meant nothing. It didn't do anyone any good, first of all, because even if somebody was shit – I mean, I'm sure I was as well – it was it was great in the teacher's eyes. So it didn't yeah, take anybody and, anything.
0: And sometimes they're doing that to create a nice, warm, welcoming atmosphere. Sure. I find – and as a person who's who co- teaches in college now – something has happened to the United States of America where every place you go, I would call it the kindergartenization of America – where everybody's kind of nice and sharing and chatting and supportive, and you can't say anything mean and you can't be honest and you, you know. And I don't think that's any way to run acting because acting, you know, my God, you got to get up there and and do unbelievable things. <laughs> you got to do a lot of very impolite things to act well. So a lot of it is that kind of just that American bullshit. Everybody gets supported and everybody has a chance and we all share and we all get a fucking trophy. So that's, I mean, that's part of it. I think some of it is that. Um, But but also some of it is, you know, they're legitimately trying to be supportive and create a nice atmosphere. It's great. You just don't learn anything from
1: it. Thank you for listening to Action. If you like this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about me, go to lee-foster.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-F-O-S-T-E-R.com. Click the Notes to an Actor link in the upper right-hand corner to find out more or to purchase Ron Morosco's book. I cannot recommend it enough.